welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel Hey, what's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. We back with another episode. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And with me today, I got Miami Clutch PE. And we got a great episode for y'all because we coming off of another win, you know, and we're on a two-game winning streak. And it, it might not be a lot, but y'all know what we've been through with this team. So we'll take whatever streak we could get as long as it's a winning streak. So here we are to celebrate that. And aside from that, man, last night was a fun game. If you're a Heat fan. I mean, the Heat, it was a close game for most of it because the Heat were down against the Hawks for a big chunk of that game. But, man, that fourth quarter was fun to watch because one thing that really made me happy to see is Victor having a good game because I'm always going to root for that guy. You also had guys like Caleb Martin and Duncan Robinson having solid games. We know Jimmy and the main members of our big three had good games too. Tyler kind of struggled from the field, but he was able to make some good shots in that fourth quarter. But mainly, I'm just happy to see the other guys bowl out, especially Caleb, because, you know, I thought it was an interesting move for Miami to find out that Kevin Love was not going to play in last night's game. And I think a lot of us were looking into that and expecting that Caleb would be the starting guy for us because he's been the main guy to start for us, you know, before Kevin came in. But instead, Miami made the decision to put in Max Struess instead. And I think it was an interesting move, to say the least. And, you know, I one thing that was mentioned in the group chat by Kevin was that you make a move like that to try to boost the confidence of a guy like Max while also having a guy like um, Caleb be able to get more adjusted into the role of being that guy that comes off of the bench. So even though Max didn't have the best night, it was still really encouraging to see Caleb play well. And overall, like, another thing that I just have to mention was that there was times in the fourth quarter where we were seeing Duncan and Tyler hit their threes. And I personally got emotional at that because we haven't seen something like that since the 2020 season where everyone was basically looking at Duncan and Tyler as the Splash Brothers 2.0. So it was just such a great thing to see. Great nostalgia because we don't know if we'll see that again moving forward into the season because as much as I want to get excited about stuff we see in just one game, one thing we know this team is that we'll get completely different results in one night compared to the other. But overall, it was just a great thing to see for Miami. That and then being able to get the win the fall, the previous night. And overall, man, like I said, you just got to take the wins and just be happy that this team is on a winning streak right now. Hopefully we keep it going because we do have two games against Cleveland coming up. We'll get into that later on into the show. But, man, I'm just happy to see the Heat grab these two wins. What about you, Clutch? I mean, it's got to take a win when it's a win, especially when we score 130 points, something that we don't do too often with this offense. 
so I think it was it was a good game. I think the bench finally showed up for the, probably the first time this season, and that's in part of Caleb and, and Vic coming off the bench and playing well. I think Spo, there's a little method to Spo's madness in the sense that he doesn't tinker with his rotation. He tries to keep it as set as possible. So once he moved Caleb to the bench for Kevin Love, I think he was never going to put Caleb back into the starting lineup again because he doesn't want to miss mess with uh, with the rhythm that Caleb could could develop off the bench. And it seemed to work out last night. He came off the bench. He was a spark. He had 21 points, and he played really good basketball. I think this this I think Vic is coming back into form a little bit. Hopefully, it stays more consistent and he just doesn't fall off like he's been doing the last few games but I think that that just remains to be seen but I really like how Jimmy has been ever since Jimmy said that he doesn't like losing he doesn't he that comment he made after after one of the losses I think ever since then Jimmy has come to play almost every game I think he's been close to a triple double almost every game and and he's been really good he's been the best player on the heat and this is why, like, I know people were quick to say this is Bam's team now, this is Bam's team now. But when the going gets tough, Jimmy's usually the one to step up. So that's why I say that this is Jimmy's team until we're proven otherwise. So I really liked his production. I like the team's production. I really, I'm, I'm a little bit off the Max Strews bandwagon now because he just doesn't seem to be snapping out of this funk. I like the defense that we've been playing on, that we've played on the on the guards for the for the Hawks. I mean, yesterday I, they scored pretty well, but the game before that, you know how you held Trey Young's under ten. Uh, um, Deontay Murray wasn't scoring almost anything, so I, I think it was it was a good series, especially defensively because and the, he got a few key defensive stops towards the end of the game last night. So I think it's something you want to see yourself doing if you're a Heat player. And hopefully they can take all of this good and take it on to when they face Cleveland because uh, that's that's a tougher matchup and the Heat haven't matched up that well with Cleveland. And hopefully we get Kevin Love back because everybody talks like he's been a disappointment, but just people had way too high expectations of him. But I think he provides the rebounding and the offensive IQ for this offense. So I'm looking for him to get more acquainted into the offense, and I think we'll we'll be all right when we hit the Cleveland when we play against Cleveland. Well, let's hope. Right, and you know another thing that I want to mention, you know, specifically with Tyler, and I want to hear what you have to say about it because I know some people are trying to remain confident, some people are unsure with them. Like, one thing that kind of concerned me about last night's game, and I'm not trying to read too much into it, but, you know, last night, you know, against Atlanta, you know, there was a whole situation where he was getting locked up by Trey Young, and Trey Young isn't really known for being that good of a defender. And, you know, when, when we're talking about Atlanta, you know, one thing that really concerned people in the playoffs last year was the fact that, Tyler was in a situation where he was still getting clamped up by the Hawks, you know, and guys like DeLon Wright and all of them. So, 
Like, I just want to know, do you, are you beginning to feel a little unsure about what we could potentially see come Tyler, especially come playoff time? Or do you think last night was kind of a fluke and maybe he'll just break out of it? I think that, I mean, the remainder of the season is going to be telling, but the real telling part is when we get to that crunch time in the playoffs. And if he performs, I mean, that's his audition to be, Miami's quote unquote third option for the long term. If he if he poops the bed, then I think Miami's gonna really look into a third option that includes Tyler going away. So I think I think this is his audition in enabled to be staying for the long term in Miami because if Miami takes an exit in an embarrassing way, which is first rounder or worse. I think Pat Riley's going to be on the move for a lot of things that, and willing to move almost anything that's not named Jimmy or Ben. Right. And, you know, we got my K up, my guy K up in here. And so, K, basically to fill you in, um, we're talking about these last two games for the Hawks uh, against the Hawks. And we were just talking about Tyler, you know, last night he was getting cramped up by Trey Young. So if you can, if you could just give your thoughts about the last two games while also, you know, also answering the question on if you feel concerned about Tyler, especially with some of those misses and being clamped up by a guy who's not that good of a defender in Trey. Like, what's your thoughts on everything? I mean, look, we're still looking for a lot of growth from Tyler Hero. First of all, how you guys doing? How the people doing out there? Sorry for being late. Let me get that out the way. Didn't mean to go ahead. But you're still looking for a lot of growth from Tyler Hero. Um, and that comes in the form of better decision-making, uh, better shot selection, being more efficient, getting to the stuff that allows him to be Tyler Hero more often than he's taking tough shots. Now, I've long said that his special gift has always been his ability to make tough shots, but that doesn't mean that every shot should be a tough shot. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and I think he put himself in that position a lot of times with Trey Young last night. And that's a two-folded issue. Because he can make tough shots, he continued to try to make tough shots after he was missing a lot of tough shots. Secondly, though, it was a good matchup to take advantage of. He has about five or six inches over him, and he can get to his spots on him. However, he has to be more effective, more purposeful, and more efficient about getting to the things over Trey Young that, you know, will work for him. Because speaking to that nature of wanting to take tough shots, he continued to try to get to things that just wouldn't be effective. If you're going to attack Trey Young, a smaller guy, put yourself in position where you could back him down and use your size. I'm not saying you're ever going to post him up and drop step him because that's not your game. But at least it can establish position. It'll help you to get to a spot where you can then get to a situation where you're creating an easier look for yourself. So that's just continued growth in the 23-year-old Tyler Hero. I mean, and I'm not using his age as an excuse because I've often long said, if you're expecting him to come in and be that every game 30-point guy right now, you've seen that that's just not him. And my expectation from him, especially in clutch time and when you come to the playoffs, is if one out of every three games he can come and be the Tyler Hero we know, the more the better, of course. But if every three games you can give me 30, you know what I mean? Which he's capable of because he's averaging 20, even with all the inconsistency, I think. Um, you know, I think that that's all you can expect of him. So this is just all a part of his growth process. 
Um, I don't know if you look to move him. And I heard what Clutch was talking. And I'm not necessarily outright disagreeing um, because, you know, depending on the end of the season, anything may be on the table, as you guys have insinuated. But at the same time, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on Tyler yet, especially after you've invested so much in him, especially after some of the things we've heard with the situation you haven't involved yourself in just to be able to hold on to him. I think the expectations for Tyler, though, are like once that contract came in, you kind of want him to be that third guy. And he kind of hasn't been that as much as he should have been. And earlier in the season and the year before, we thought Kyle would be the third guy. and he, Obviously, he's not. But, I mean, if you have Tyler not being consistently the third guy and making that contract, once you get to the offseason and you're the general manager, you're Pat Riley – you kind of see that as a problem. So that's why I said in the playoffs, this is kind of like his audition to be here long-term because if he needs to consistently put up at least third guy numbers every night, which is, I don't know how, how much I want to say, but he's averaging 20. So keep around his average, but sometimes he just seems to like fall off a cliff or show up in spurts. And I don't know, like, I, I genuinely don't know if that's what the Heat are looking for in the, in the third guy. And if the right situation or the right player comes along in the offseason, I don't think they would hesitate if he bombs in the playoffs. I mean, I think you make a point there, and, and the point would be if the right situation comes along. And outside of Jimmy Butler and Bam out of Bayou, if the right situation comes along for anybody on the roster – I'm pretty sure they'd be open to considering it. You know what I mean? At the very least. So I don't disagree with you there. Um, but from the perspective of a third guy, I think that when all things are equal, he does do his job. But there are times where nothing else is clicking and we're looking for him to produce or turn the team like a first guy or a second guy. And sometimes he can do that, but sometimes he just isn't capable right now. And I would not only, I'm not giving him a pass because he should be better. I think I've, I've tried to harp on the fact that he should be more consistent. He should do more things for himself. He has a lot of growing to do. His decision-making, like the turnover last night late um, against the Hawks. Um, I'm sorry, we're recording this on Tuesday. So the turnover Monday night against the Hawks. I mean, things like that. He has major growth to do. So I'm not giving him a pass. I'm not making excuses. I want to be critical of him where I need to be critical of him. But I also want to be conscientious of the fact that, you know, his situation isn't as conducive as we think it is. And it's half his fault because he was so adamant on starting. And even before the season in the offseason, I begged, I begged, you know, the front office and everybody else out there not to be so adamant about seeing Tyler Hero in the starting lineup because Tyler Hero is at his best when he can float and get to wherever he wants to get to on the court on any given possession to take advantage of that area or however he's feeling. And in the first lineup, what he's been forced to do a lot, and especially with Kyle Lowry's absence, is be one of the first guys touching the rock. And whether it may not be pure initiation, like going to work and creating a play for somebody else, he's the guy that's starting off the play, you know, coming off the wing, catching it at the top, kicking it to Bam, eventually making the first cut. And, like, he doesn't work well like that right now. And that's, you know, to his – that's a knock to his growth as a player and the growth that he needs to continue to, you know, take. But I agree with you there. If the right situation comes along, he's going to always be considered as well as anybody else should. 
Right. And like, Kay, while while we got you on the mic right now, I want to know, like, what was your thoughts, though, about the whole two games against the Hawks in general? I mean, I loved it. I loved it not because I think that, you know, oh, my God, the Heat are going to win the title. I mean, you know, I remain I call myself and I, I continue to nail this home. I what I like to call an optimal realist. Like I want the best to happen and I believe the best can happen. But I'm also real and logical and I try to approach things that way. Um I loved it because the Miami Heat continue, you know, to improve and improvement isn't something, you know, that you're just taking for granted at this particular point in the year because they should be improving all the while. They should be trying to peak out at this point, but it's specific things that you've wanted to see from this Heat team because it's literally been the key. And I've been mentioning it on various shows, whether I've, you know, made it, you know, been uh, fortunate enough to have time to make it to the main pause here or whether you're talking on Biscayne Breakdown, where you can check us out every week as well. Me and Deem and a special guest or two, Joel on the production, you know. Um, but I mean, the Miami Heat showed you that they could win on both offense and defense. You knew they could win on defense because that's what they've been doing all year, but they've been shooting the ball so poorly since All-Star break. They haven't been a great shooting team anyway. But since All-Star break, the shooting has been below that, below the floor. Um, so, you know, for them to get that kind of shooting um, in that second game, especially, but it's, but across the last three games, if you want to be honest, um, it's very encouraging. And they showed that they could beat you, you know, two different kinds of ways. Because in the game on Monday, they basically played fire with fire. Like the Hawks scored 43 first quarter points. The Miami Heat were down 13 after the first quarter, 17 at one point, eventually came back to blast and win 131-28. In the first game, they literally held um, their two best players under 20 points combined. Both of them was 0-4, I mean 0-5 from three. I think DeJounte Murray was something like 3 of 14. Trey was like 2 of 13 or something like that. But neither of them made a three. You can even look at John Collins, who seems to save his best games for us. And he done it again on Monday night because he's done it in a previous game this year. But if you look at the game on Saturday night with the Miami, he beat them defensively. He only played 16 minutes, three points, 0 of 4 from the field, maybe 1 of 4 from the field. Either way, he didn't shoot the ball well. All I'm saying is the dichotomy and how they won is very encouraging for a couple of reasons because you have to be able to win multiple ways in the playoffs because you never know how the games are going to go, but things slow down. So it could come down to any, which or what kind of possession. Secondly, the Miami heat again have shot the ball through the floor. So to see them shoot the ball that well in these last three games is very encouraging because you have faith that it could come back as a permanent staple or a semi-permanent staple enough for them to make some noise. And lastly, the Miami heat beat a team by making shots. 130 points the Miami Heat in 2023. I mean, we can move on. I I, I have to say nothing else. Yo, and that's the the way how you wrapped it up. Like that's literally me right now because we know how much of a mess the offense has low key been. And you know, one thing that I mentioned, you know, when I was talking about the last, well, specifically last night's game was that. You know, it felt like nostalgia just watching guys like Duncan and Tyler hit their shots specifically in that fourth quarter. Like, I think Duncan hit a three, and then next possession you had Tyler hitting one. Like, it literally felt like 2020 all over again when you had, um, who was it? When you had everyone all over the world basically trying to say that them two guys was the Splash Brothers 2.0, you know, like, 
it gave some great memories and I'm just really hoping that we could get the shooting together. And, you know, one thing that I jokingly mentioned in like one of the pods not too long ago was that I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat is just pulling a reverse card with, um, what is it, the shooting, where last year we were great at three-point shooting in the regular season, but it low-key kind of came apart, you know, come the the playoffs. And then come this season, you know, we're struggling in the regular season, but then we start becoming the best three-point shooting team come playoff time. So I, I'm praying for that reverse card, and hopefully – with the addition of a guy like Kevin Love that could really help us out in that department and we could just go from there. Aside from that, though, I just want to quickly go into a word from our sponsor. Let's get right to it. Uh, NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you go on it today, opt in and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game. And even if it doesn't hit, you'll still get a bonus bet back. So, you know, very soon we will be talking about Heat versus Cavs. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. I mean... The Heat do have matchup issues with the Cavs now and then, and we'll talk about all that stuff later. But I'm going to always ride with the Heat. I think that maybe they'll use the momentum from this two-game winning streak to continue, you know, being a better team. So I'm going to be optimistic and say that. So I got Heat over Cavs come this next game. So, So go ahead and place your money on that. But with that all being said, download the app now. And sign up with code TBPN, where new customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. Aside from that, that's basically it from me. And now, moving into what's been going on with the Heat, Aside from these past two games, it looks like a lot of interesting things have, well, you know what, not too interesting, but, you know, things have made the headline. And one thing that I really do feel the need to talk about is someone who we don't really address too much because he doesn't play in a lot of the games. But recently the news came out that not only will Udonis Haslam for sure be retiring after the season, but the NBA, well, not the NBA, but he announced that UD will be getting his own section in the, oh, I was about to call it, the, I want to say their names because they bankrupt, so no free clout. But Yup, thank you. So, <laughs> no free clout, so we didn't want to refer to the bankrupt people. But um, yeah, the Miami Date Arena, and they're going to be giving them their own section in, the, um, in row 305. And I don't know, it's just such a great way to honor UD. And I just want to know, like, how do you guys feel after hearing this? Because I know so much people have been kind of going after UD. Like, every time he says a quote, like, I know people were bashing him because he said recently how he's been losing sleep because the Heat have been losing games. And they're like, oh, you know, he barely even plays. I mean, come on. We've low-key been losing sleep, too, because of it. I mean, at least I have. You know, I can't say the same for y'all, but... Um, but for me personally, it's also been tough, and I'm not playing either. 
So I just want to know, like, aside from all the slander UD gets, you know, how does it make you guys feel as Heat fans to know that he's still getting the recognition that, in my opinion, he deserves? Like, we'll start off with you, Kay. I mean, look, I think that there was also a quote recently where he said even when he's done playing in some capacity, he's going to try to remain around the team um, to be involved every day. So, um, I mean, it's it's a continuous of what he's, you know, maintained. And I think that sometimes you need that veteran presence in your locker room. And we're not going to do what everybody else on every other platform is doing. But you can look around the league and see where situations could have probably been better had a guy like UD been around. Um, and like you said, man, it's just nice to see them continue to honor the OG because he's meant a lot to the franchise. Um, and that's both on the floor, off the floor. Uh, and wherever, you know, in whatever capacity he's gotten involved in the community, as I said, it's, 30, it's Section 305 for a reason because he, he's Mr. Miami. Right. How about you, Clutch? I think, like Kay said, UD has done so much for the for the team on and off the court, and especially a lot for the city of Miami, that I think fans should have nothing but respect for him, whether whatever he decides to do, whether it's as a player a coach, a owner, or whatever he's going to do in the future. Um, I, I'm happy that he's being honored that way. And when I see the slander, it's kind of like, but like, for example, with the, without getting too much into it, in the John Morant situation going on right now, Memphis could use somebody like Udonis has him to keep the team in check. And, and that's kind of where UD shows his value. He kind of keeps everybody in check where where it's easy for the younger players to veer off in the wrong direction. I do think he adds value to the team. And I do think I do think he adds value to the team as the 15th roster spot. I know people aren't gonna like that. But but yeah, I think he's he's done awesome for this community, for the team, and he deserves everything he's gonna get in that weekend. And if I see any slander during that week, I'm gonna block you on Twitter, by the way. Also, I just want to quickly mention, like, last year he might have not played much, but it should be acknowledged that that fight with him and Jimmy was low-key a page-turner, you know, into that season because we were on that losing streak. Everybody was getting concerned because we were losing to teams without their star players, you know. Like, that game specifically, we were getting blown out by a Warriors team that didn't have guys like Steph, Draymond, and Clay, to name a few. And the before that, we got blown out by the Sixers, too, without Embiid and Harden. So that fight, I mean, that low-key changed things for the Heat. And it really shifted the momentum into a positive way. So to see him get his recognition, it's so great to see. Because one thing I'll say is that if you're if you just simply don't vibe with UD because you feel like we could use that roster spot and you feel like he's overstate his time I mean that's your opinion but like for those who act like UD has not had an impact on the heat especially on the city of Miami too like be real right now you know like his impact is always going to be felt like he might have not been like Dwayne Wade but you can't help but feel so grateful for the years he spent in Miami and being the OG to the city so like like I said if you want to simply how do I say it simply just not vibe with the fact that he's holding a spot on this team right now that's i mean listen i'll, I'll if you, that's how you feel you know that's your opinion and i do see where you're going with it but
But the way how people talk about him on social media and acting like he's just been sitting on the bench and doing nothing these past 20 years, like, be freaking for real right now. Because that's not the truth. And if you watched him and saw what he did for Miami in the past, you know that's not true. You know, I'll never forget, you know, 2011, we played the Bulls in the conference finals. And he went out. I mean, he was just coming off of, um, I believe it was foot surgery or something like that. And he came into that, I think it was either, what? which game was it? Game, I don't know, it was game one or two of that. It was probably game two of that Bulls series. And he helped Miami and came up clutch for them in some situations. So, you know, moments like that and other situations you could also bring up were areas in which UD played such a great role for this team. So, like I said, to act like the man has been a bum for the past 20 years is ridiculous because he did so much for this franchise. And I'm so happy that he's going to get the recognition that he deserves because he deserves it all. But, you know, with that all being said, shout outs to you, D. You know, happy soon retirement. You know, take care, man. And I now want to quickly go back into the Miami Heat because. We're getting ready for, like, what, the final 18, 17 games of the season. And I want to know something from y'all. Like, I want to know for Miami, what what do y'all think the ceiling is for this squad? Because a part of me feels like we can turn things around and things can really change for the better, especially by the time playoffs come. But at the same time, nothing is guaranteed because we know how inconsistent this team could be. So... With that all being said, like, how optimistic are you guys about this squad? And how how much optimistic would you say you are? Are you optimistic to the point where you could say that you could see this team could go this far or maybe go, eh, maybe this far? Like, we'll start off with you, Kay. Like, how optimistic do you personally feel about this team? Again, man, we go back to the whole thing of me being an optimal realist. And basically, it's like I've said earlier in the season, maybe just a few weeks ago, it's all about the shooting. If the shooting can come back, this team can compete against anybody. And I say that to go to another point that I think was made by uh, somebody um, on Twitter last night. Um, and I say that because, you know, it's one of the it's, it's one of the media guys. So, you know, they tend to follow those guys and, you know, believe those guys' opinion like it's the truth. So I'm just referencing him because, you know, now other people are saying it, but I've kind of been saying that the league is wide open. They're, like nobody really, you know, has separated themselves, not records-wise, but in the perspective of nobody can beat me if I'm really set on nobody beating me. Anybody can be beat. And it's been proven this year because anybody has been beat by anybody. You look at the Boston Celtics, uh, the last couple of games for them. You look at, you know, Milwaukee. Yeah, they going on this streak lately, but earlier in the season. And, I mean, you got to hope that Middleton is going to be healthy through the remainder of the season and consistently in the lineup if you, you know, and get back to that level of production if you want to get to a title like you did a couple of years ago. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of questions. And if you trust James Harden in the playoffs, I mean, before you see it, then go put your money on it. I mean, every dime you got in the bank, Go bet it on James Harden in the playoffs. Because, I mean, that's how crazy you got to be to trust him without having ever seen him, you know, really get it done in the biggest moments at this particular point. Now, he does have Joel Embiid now, so that makes a world of difference. But I still got to see it. 
before I can outright tell you, hey, he's going to beat my team in a seven-game series in a playoff series when it really matter. Beyond the first round, of course. Now, in the first round series, I've said this before. The Sixers scare the heck out of me. In a fr- no, not um, excuse me. I'm sorry, Joel. They scare the hell out of me in a first-round series, um, the Sixers. But if it's the second round or beyond, I can't trust the Sixers. I'll take the heat over the Sixers in the second-round series, but I won't in a first-round series, and that's all James Harden-based. So, I mean, there are a lot of questions just in the East alone. When you get to the West, you're looking at teams like Golden State, because I think, and I've told people last year, um, when, you know, everybody was like, no, nah, they can't win it. They're, they're through, they're through. No, I told people, like, look, man, they still got what they got over there, and it don't take but a few. And with Joe and Poole stepping up like he was stepping up, they had a guy that could give you that Tyler Hero-esque effect that I'm talking about now. Because if you really want to be honest, and let's be honest, Jordan Poole is as inconsistent as Tyler Hero can be at times. And Jordan Poole played with two of the greatest shooters that ever played and another Hall of Famer in Draymond Green. That's like, you know, a guy that's going to take up attention with, you know, defensively, but also create plays for you. So, I mean, like, there are situations we could talk about there. But if you look over there, you're really looking at Phoenix, Golden State, uh, Denver, um, you know, LeBron is LeBron. So if he get healthy and AD can stay healthy, you know, you never want to discount that situation, even though they so far down the ranks, you know, you got Sacramento who can like blow the doors off your scoring and a couple more teams over there. But at the same time, um, the league is wide open, bro. It's wide open. Just make it to the show, play your best game. And at the Miami heat, particularly for them, play that best game, which is them hitting shots, being tenacious and giving all out effort on the defensive end. And doing what they've been able to do for the last couple of games, even though they lost to the Knicks on a big top shot by Julius Randle. What a shot. And he kept hitting them against the Celtics the following night. So I only feel half as bad. But um, if they can keep doing that, then the Miami Heat could beat anybody too. Right. And before I pass the mic to you, Clutch, I just want to ask UK because you mentioned the whole thing with facing Philly in the first round, which might be a possibility because of the fact uh, might be the most likely possibility because of the fact that I don't know if New York can lose enough games for us to get that five seed. So my question is, how would you see the Heat and Sixers series go? Would you see that go to a potential seven games, six games? Like, what do you yeah. think personally? I'm uh, still thinking uh, it's six or seven. I ain't mean to cut you off, bro. I'm still mm-hmm. thinking it's six or seven games. Um, but at the same time, I'm more on edge. In a, in a second-round series, this is the best way to explain it for me. In a second-round series, I'm going into the series firmly 65-35 Miami Heat. And that's just off the fact that James Harden starts to chip away as the chips get bigger, so to speak. As you push more chips closer to the middle of the table, the smaller he can, you know what I'm saying, the more pressure, and he started to sweat more and tipping his hand. Like, But in the first-round series where he could play a little freer, I would say that the chances are closer to 50-50 for me. And that's what I'm saying from that perspective. So if we see him in the first round, I'm not saying I'm scared of him in the fact that, oh, my God, they're going to get us out of here in the sweep. I'm scared of him because they could beat us just as well as we could beat them. Right. I got you. Yeah, because, you know, that's the thing. Because one thing we can count on a guy like Harden for is to at least show up in something like the first round. So I don't know exactly how good it will be because it seems like he's just getting worse and worse at this point. Like, I mean, we know he loves to choke, but last year, man, that game six against Miami, I personally was not expecting that bad of a performance. I mean, it was so bad that... You got to get a heat some credit too, bro, because what they did to the Hawks the other night 
Like, you can't take that for granted, and especially what they've been able to do to Trey Young over the series the last couple of games. Like, I'm not going to say that Trey Young's not eventually going to, you know, find his groove, but what they're able to do to Trey Young, yo, is maniacal. You got to, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to give Spoh some credit just off that. Sorry to cut you off, bro. Oh, no. So, like, and I agree with that as well, but, you know, the media, you know, they'll never give the Heat credit for that type of stuff, and that's fine in this type of scenario because them trying to flame up James Harden and trying to say that he's washed is good for the agenda of the fact that he's definitely not better than Dwayne Wade. So, you know, it's nice to see fans like his specifically have to deal with the fact that he'll never be on D Wade's level. But, you know, with that all being said, like, you know, the first round is probably a series where you could expect them to show up and probably hit, a team with their best shot possible only to fade out come the second round, like you said, Kay. So hopefully the Heat should be ready for it. If there's any team, though, if there's any team that has a coach that is able to scheme and put up the best plan possible to lock a guy like James Harden and a guy like Joel Embiid, it is Coach Spo. So I'm looking forward to see what he has to do. And it, it's going to be a fun one if we do end up facing them. And by the way, if for whatever reason, Joel Embiid, if you are listening to this pod, I don't know why you would, but just in case if you are, man, and you do get eliminated early in, in the playoffs this year, request a trade to Miami and only Miami, bro, because James is going back to Houston once the season ends. Just come to Miami and say you only want to go there. Don't be like KD where it's like Miami or Phoenix. Just make us the only team. Don't put a second team on your list so we can make it happen. Aside from that, I now pass the mic to you, Clutch. Like, how optimistic are you with this Miami Heat team? And how hopeful are you regarding how far they could go? I think Kay said it best when he said, just get to the dance. And and we've seen it more often than not that, I mean, this is Jimmy's, four, I want to say his fourth year here probably, right? So... Three of those four years, he's been – I mean, two of the three playoff runs that he's had with Miami have been really, really good. So I would put my money on Jimmy just flipping the switch once again this playoff So and maybe have a little extra incentive to take out a team like Philly because, because of what happened there, you know, the whole Tobias Harris over me thing. So I think it's I – th- I like the matchup that Philly would present. I think more often than not, Spo puts Doc Rivers in the and in, in, he stuffs him in a locker. So I think I think that matchup would be pretty decent for the Heat, even though they do have the Sixers do have a lot of talent. But in general, I'm optimistic that all it takes for a good playoff run is just to get hot at the right time. And I think Miami has players that could do that. I mean if Tyler could get hot at the right time and string off four, five, six games of really, really good play, then you're talking about the Heat competing, not not just being in the second round, competing in the second round series. So I think it just, it just takes about – it's just about getting hot at the right time. And Miami could do it. I don't – I think any team in the playoffs could do it. And Miami just happens to have Jimmy Butler, who's one – who's been a, one of the best playoff performers in the league ever since he got to Miami. Mm-hmm. And, like, one thing I'll mention, yo, Doc Rivers, if you listening to this show for some reason yourself, do not 
yo, if you if you really don't want if actually what am I saying right now? Do not put Paul Reed in that um backup center role. Put Dwayne Dedman in, man, and y'all will win the series for sure. Because Dwayne Dedman is him. He is the greatest center, backup center in the league, and he can cause a lot of damage against any team. So that is the guy that I would rely on if I was you. Put and why you go and, and and why you on the greatest backup center ever? Look, did y'all see the comments? What? I'm sorry. Did y'all see the comments? Did y'all see the comments? <laughs> on the way out of the door on the way out of the door he says mental stability and clarity was what he needed we needed that too did he say mental stability and cl- and y'all know if if y'all know if i'm questioning the statement by a guy that i not necessarily rode for but guy a guy that i wasn't as you know heavily <laughs> against as everybody else I mean, I'm like, come on, bro. Yeah, put Dwayne Damon in. Put Dwayne yeah. Damon in, Doc. Listen, yeah. I, I mean, Joe finally got it out. But if you're listening, put Dwayne Damon in. Right. I think that's what like, Joe was getting at. Yeah, I, I can speak for a lot of Heat fans that once he got traded away from Miami, he gave us a lot of mental stability and clarity. Right. Because at least I don't got to feel peer. I don't have to feel trauma every time Bam not on the floor. We I can do now. that. Right, and to see that man, but well, I don't want. Well, listen, Doc Rivers might still be listening, but um, you know, Doc, like I'm just saying, Dwayne Dedman, <laughs> Also, I'm Doc s- Rivers, if you're listening, your likes are public. Oh my gosh, listen. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Alright, yeah, you know what? Let's let's close this topic out. But yeah, um, Doc Rivers, before you head out of listening to this, just know Dwayne Dedman is the answer for everything. You know, he he's got that mental stability now, whatever he said. So you know, he'll be good to go. So give give him that backup role, and or if anything, play him at the four and see what happens. Him and Embiid will make the most dominant front starting front court you've ever seen in NBA history. You know, cook up something nice. And, you know, the Heat, I don't know how they'll be able to handle that type of front court. Anyways, we said that. Now let's get into the final topic for today. And that's none other than Heat versus Cleveland. We're going to be playing them two times in a row here in Miami. I personally hate these types of matchups. Not not saying, like, against a team like Cleveland, but a matchup where we got to play a team two times in a row because – you're just giving the losing team more momentum to beat you the following game, you know. But it is what it is at this point. We've been doing this for a couple of seasons now, this type of schedule format. So I want to know, what's y'all's expectations for these next two battles against the Cavs? And do y'all see the Heat potentially going 2-0 in this? We'll start off with you, Clutch. Um, Cleveland is a tough matchup for Miami because just, I mean, their size and their length bothers Miami at times and obviously they have Donovan Mitchell now who's been on a run this year so I don't like the matchup and I'd be honestly I'd be happy happy enough if we split the series 1-1 but I mean hopefully we can just take all the momentum from sweeping the the Hawk series and take it to take it against Cleveland but I don't know. I'm not gonna say I'm optimistic, but I'm and I'm not I'm not pessimistic either. I think I'm just gonna see what what it what it brings and hope for the best. 
but I think uh, I think it's going to be a really tough two game series to for Miami, and we'll we'll see what they're made of. Right, and how about you, Kay? Yeah, man, um, I'm I'm right along with Clutch there. I mean, the best two. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna say right along, but I'm pretty much along with him. I'm thinking at worst this is a split, but I'll say this: they're one and one on the season against Cleveland, and what you have to um, notate in that situation, especially looking at the fact that both of these games are at home, um, just as the Atlanta Hawks games were, um, is the fact that they've split with the Cavaliers already, and that's in Cleveland. So the Miami Heat have shown you the ability to be able to beat this Cleveland Cavaliers team, and this is a Miami Heat team that only scored 100 points that night, and they did only win by three. However, um, they showed you that ability. So being at home, um, being on the you know shooting streak today, and I think they're shooting some like 50% from three in the last couple of games. Don't quote me, but I want to say those might be the numbers. But they're shooting the ball pretty well, man. You got to admit. So if they can, like I said, and that's the key to it all. So if they can continue to shoot, and they could beat this team twice. And I say that because if they have to make the stops, they can make the stops. And if they have to hit the shots, they can hit the shots. That's at least what they've shown you over the last two or three games. If they keep doing that, they can beat them twice. At minimal, though, I do expect a split, and I expect a split not based on anything we've seen in the last couple of games alone, but based on the fact that they've already gotten a split over this team. Um, You know what I mean? And they did that in Cleveland already. So, you know, that's why I'm looking at it the way I'm looking at it. Now, I will be honest. Prior to the Knicks game, I would have said they lose both of these games easily, and they probably get the doors blown off in one. But the last three games have inspired me that the Julius Randle shot or at least what went on at halftime of that game woke them up to the point where they're like, okay, look, something has to change. Um, and I don't know what that was. I just hope that we keep on seeing it activate them. Right. And for me personally, I couldn't agree more because that's the thing. You know, what, I, what I'll mention in what I've mentioned in this part and parts in the past, like you just need something to build off of and things to really get you activated and going. So I'm just hoping that you look at what the Heat have been able to do these last two games against the ATL and just, you know, put that into use moving forward. You know, take these Ws, learn from it, and build from it because that's been the main thing we've been hoping for after every time the Heat have went on whatever many game winning streaks they've had this year. So, you know, I'm not saying these next two games against Cleveland are going to be easy, but... You know, show us that there's still promise, you know, like even if we might not win both games, like at least let us look at look back at those games and be like, wow, you know, they're they're really showing that they are going to be a really good team, especially come playoff time, you know, because if we're doing things like we're shooting well on the floor and we're hitting our threes, you know, even if we might lose the game, like that's still promising to me to know that the things that have been bugging us all season is now starting to, you know, no longer be a problem. And we're finally able to hit our shots. We're able to overcome all the obstacles that we've had to deal with all season. You feel me? Like, with that all being said, I just want to see the squad play well. And, you know, I know oh, – hold up. All right. I thought – okay, I see, K. you mentioned you got one more thing you want to add. Like, what else you got to say, man? So there's also a guy on our roster that didn't play in the last game that might have just recently left Cleveland, you know, that uh, wasn't particularly thrilled with his situation. And, you know, we're all still human, and these guys are NBA players. 
Um, and he's shown you a little bit more shooting the ball from an aggression standpoint uh, in the last couple of games where he did play. Um, and in case you guys aren't good at doing crossword puzzles, I'm talking about Kevin Love. So I, I, I really expect the motivated Kevin Love across these next two games. So I wouldn't be surprised as along with his 8, 9, 10 boards that he's already been given to Miami Heat at this point. I'm sure you guys aren't paying attention to that because it isn't sexy, but it helps. Along with that stuff that he's been doing, moving the rock, creating space with his body and positioning and all of that. Um, I, I think I'm going to look for him to give me a little bit more on the point production side in these next two games, specifically because, you know, that's the place they used to call home and he wasn't necessarily thrilled about the way that it ended, I don't think. I couldn't agree more. And that, and because I ain't going to lie, when you first said someone who didn't play last game, at first I thought we was trying to talk about Omer Day for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was a little uh, Hey, look, a little if you right want to close with that, we can talk about that too because, you know, I got, it. I got a couple thoughts there. I mean, all I'll say with um, and before I get into that, um, you know, with Kevin Love, you know, I definitely am looking forward to see what he does against his former team as well. Mainly because I mean, we know it's all love with him and Cleveland, but it would be nice for him to at least have one really good revenge game. You know, maybe he has like thirty points, shoots maybe six or seven from the three point line. You know, just you know a nice saying? little. Right, 25, no. something like that. And I ain't saying, and I want to clear this up. I'm not saying that he had a problem with the players. I'm saying right. that maybe he didn't like his role or maybe, you know, the philosophy, all of that jazz. So, no, I'm not saying he had beef with the players. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think one of his motivations to want to get about it is because he still think that he can offer a team something in a meaningful role, such as the one that he's given us. Exactly, right. And, you know, that. with that all being said, I really hope he does do just that for us. And, you know, about Omer, one thing I'll say is that, I don't know, like, a lot of people will find it unfortunate. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't say a lot of people, but some people will think it's unfortunate that now that we got a guy like Cody coming in doing his thing, we're not going to see much minutes from Omer this season. And I think, I don't want to completely shut out Omer just yet, but this is how I personally want it to be. Just let Zeller get the minutes and maybe try again next year with Omer because we're we're at such a late point of the season now. And it's like, at this point, he should still remain as the third string guy for us. Because when you haven't had that time to really get on the floor and show what you're capable of and completely develop into what we need you to be as our backup five, like at this point, you might as well just serve as that third stringer and then if the heat still have faith in him bring him back next year well he's i think he still has like a year left so yeah have him come back next year and then see what he can do from there i mean i'm not i know there are a lot of people who have high hopes in your personally i'm not one of them to be honest i just don't see too much in him but you know if he if the heat still have high hopes in him and think he could be something you know, for the future of this team, then by all means, next year, get him some minutes and go from there. But aside from that, I'm just completely on the Zeller bandwagon. What about you, Kay? I mean, my thing with Yurt is just the fact that, like you said, he's coming back at this particular juncture. But if we didn't have anybody already, speaking of Zeller, you bring him in and he's that boost because even, you know, though Orlando was giving you something, he was banged up and you're still with his experience might be a little better than Orlando at this point. 
But with Zeller, a guy that, you know, has been a starter in this league, is not a starter anymore, but is still a quality rotational player, um, you know, it's basically a situation where I think you definitely can't just put Yurt back in over Zeller. And especially considering the deficiencies that he showed you anyway. He's coming back off of energy. I mean, off of injury. I'll, I'll let you, you know what I mean? I'll just concede to you there. You try again next year if that's an option you really want to go. Right. Right. And Clutch, how about you? You got anything you want to share? Yeah, I think as for Yurt, I think it's a little too late in the season to be bringing him back. And especially when, you, like you, all of you guys said, you have somebody like Cody Zeller. And it's way too late into the season to experiment with with Bam at the four, Yurt at the four, and stuff like that. It's way too late to be experimenting. So it's just there's just no spot on this rotation for Yurt. But I do think he'll he's he'll be a solid emergency backup if somebody goes down. But yeah, the the best is probably just keeping the rotation as is with that. Maybe you can bring Yurt back in the offseason since he's been injured, so he won't ask for much. Maybe another year contract, and he can prove what he can do as a backup next year and, and try it then. Or that, or you can experiment, like I said, with Bam and Yurt or whatever you want to do. But as for this season, yeah, it's just unfortunate that he got hurt and fortunate for for us that Cody, Cody Zeller turned out to be a hit on this buyout market or – or a midseason signing, but yeah, for as for year, kind of just bad luck. Uh, try again next year, right? You know, so basically, we all agree on that. You know, try again next season and just go from there. Unless you want to put them in a trade package for whoever becomes available in the off season, but I mean, that's basically it. I feel like we've talked about so much. Before we wrap it up, is there any final words y'all want to share? Uh no. Alright, so we'll play Duncan Robinson over. more minutes over Max Drews. Well, yeah, I didn't want to say that because I think I say that enough. I I don't want to sound like a broken drum, man. I mean, like a broken record, man. I mean, I'm I got you, drum Lord. like a broken record. This. I appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna say everything. Yeah, you gotta play Duncan Robinson more. You gotta play him more. And as far as the yurt thing go, I I find that interesting. Like you said, I'm not gonna take up another ten minutes, Joe. But you say that because people are on me. But I told people, you know, when we first signed him, I was studying the Cody Zeller thing. I was like, eh, I know why he ain't made a team because he hurt that knee last year and he needed surgery. That takes a year to come back. The man's thirty years old. He's in his NBA prime. Oh my God, he's gonna come in and play well for us. And what do you know? I mean. I ain't want to say it, but I'll go ahead and say it. With what Orlando Robinson has done, a cheaper option, Yurt might find himself traded because he can be like something that can act as an asset for us, a phantom asset. But I digress. Let's let's close the show. Right. And, you know, regarding Duncan, like one thing I'll say is that it's crazy because when Duncan came back from that injury, like I immediately got excited and I never thought I'd ever be excited for a Duncan Robinson return because – I feel like so much of my hype for him as a player on this team completely went away from all of, you know, the struggles he had been through on the squad so far. So the fact that I'm at the point where it's like now I'm completely on the bandwagon again for the sake of saving this team's three-point shooting, like, I think that says a lot to how crazy the season has been. So, you know, Duncan, if you can come in and just help Duncan us out. Robinson, if you're listening, of course. You got to say that, Joe. Yup, yeah, Duncan. If you listening, man, you know, 
Let, let's get you going, bro. Let's <laughs> let's save the season, man. You know, let's let's get you back to 2020 Duncan. And you know, let's get you going, hit as much threes as you possibly can. Save the season and we'll have you pull the Andre Guadala and have you be the um finals MVP if we go all the way there. So by all means, man, save the season for us. We're we're counting on you, bro. Like you we we really need you right now more than anything. Come and save this three point shooting, bro. But <laughs> aside from that, y'all, but um we got anything else we wanna say or are we good to go? All right, I'm going to say we good to go. So aside from that, y'all, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Make sure you follow Miami Clutch PE at Miami Clutch PE. Make sure to follow K on Twitter at K underscore said underscore K. And make sure y'all follow me on Twitter at Joel K. Jacob underscore. And most importantly, make sure y'all follow Heat versus the World on all platforms at HVTW Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching this pod from there. And, you know, make sure to just support all our content, man. You know, Heat versus the World, Biscayne Breakdown, starring yeah. K and Deem. Make sure y'all um support Culture Shock. They're going to be coming out with a new episode soon from Lola and Shy. Um, we also got new content heading y'all way Ooh. to all our Dolphins Ooh. fans. <laughs> we to all our Dolphins fans, man. We're gonna be doing something very soon. I can't announce it just yet, but in a couple weeks before NFL free agency starts, you know, get ready for that. We do got something coming very soon for it. So be on the lookout. And aside from that, man, it's gonna be very fun. So tap in and just see where we go from there. And to the Miami Heat. Let's turn things around. We believe in y'all. We got the faith. Do whatever y'all can to turn the season around. Let's get the shooting up there. We've had a good couple shooting nights. And aside from that, let's go heat. Let's go win the championship and hit the music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.